by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hi folks, and welcome back to N17 Women. This is Abby speaking, and I'm with Caroline, Sean, and Rachel, as usual. We're here today to record a special emergency episode because Rianne Skinner has been sacked by the club, and we have things to say. We obviously got a number of listener questions about this, so we're going to try to get through as many of them as possible throughout the episode, but let's just get straight into it. So on Monday morning, the club announced that they'd made the decision to let Rianne Skinner go. How are you all feeling about this separation? I think there is some sadness, just that it got to this point. I don't think... Probably any of us would say it was the wrong decision. Uh, It just feels a little bittersweet with how successful the last season was and, you know, feeling like we had been making progress and then having this season be kind of a reversal of fortune. So, yeah, I think just kind of sad that it came to this, even if I accept that it, it needed to happen. Yeah, I think similarly sad that you don't want to be a club that rotates managers. Um, you know, we've had that on the men's side in the past and it's just dispiriting and frustrating. And the idea of having a manager who was there for the long haul, that had a vision, that there was going to be a project that was going to be about the transformation of the women's team. That was exciting. And I think we were all kind of bought into that, especially after last season. So there's a lot of disappointment about the fact that that hasn't happened and it isn't going to happen under Rianne Skinner but at the same time this season has been bad and there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that we can go into and we have discussed at various times but there have also been some bad decisions by the manager around you know in-game decisions about the setup of and who is used where in the squad um, even with injuries etc and so and you can't win nine, you can't, sorry, you can't, I wish we could win nine games. You can't lose nine games on the trot um, and be two points off relegation and expect to stay on post. It's, it really is a scrap now. And I think one of the things that not just us, but other fans were getting really frustrated with were the post-match interviews where Rianne Skinner said, oh, we played well, we were just unlucky. And, you know, you do make your own luck to a certain extent and there's a point in which you have to recognize that things are going wrong because something isn't you know being organized isn't being the training isn't there the players aren't you know playing in the right ways etc um and that does come down to the manager yeah i think it's it's one of those weird kind of in one way it's a shock and in another way it's completely expected kind of situation because if you look at where we were at the beginning of the season and and the expectations that we all had following last season, the highest finish the club had ever had um, down in no small part, obviously to Rianne and and what she'd done. And I don't think anybody, uh, fans or uh, pundits or anybody was foreseeing that we didn't have enough in the tank to be challenging for the top, uh, for the best of the rest again. You know, that was where we were expected to be. And the business that the club had done over the summer led us to kind of think that that was still you know where we should be aiming and then obviously 
things weren't going well at, at, um, at Christmas, but the club again invested, brought in Beth and, and Manor. Uh, and so they were fully behind Rianne at that point. And I think their intention was was fully for her to be on board for a, a number of years and to build the club together. But then you get to a point where you have to say there was something about that performance at Liverpool that the players were just not, didn't feel like the players were all on the same page, didn't feel like they were, you know, there was some some interesting, I mean, Amy Turner was uh, fouling everybody here, there and everywhere and uh, just looking, you know, this, uh, not, you know, not the calm kind of character that she usually is. Um, Ash was back to not playing as well as we know she can do. Um, I think, and I think changes and everything that we've said, you know, the way that the team's been set up, there have been a lot of problems that have not been um, in Rianne's um, scope to change, you know, the injuries and all those kind of things. And again, our frustration is with how much we know about injuries and how much we don't makes it difficult for us to make a clear judgment on how much is Rianne's fault and how much is, is not. But at some point, something had to change with this run of games. And the only thing at this point that could change uh, was the manager, really. And it's it's sad. Uh, and it's um, not where any of us thought we would be at this time, you know, at the beginning of the season. Uh, but but the club had to make a decision, didn't they? Either you stick and uh, and hope that things change, or you make that change. And there's no right or wrong decision in that in that point until you get to the end of the season and and hope you survive. You just have to make a decision and hope it's the right one. Yeah. I think that uh, just about sums it up for me as well, because it, it was really kind of, it was expected and then also shocking at the same time. I think you said that exactly right, Sean. Um, now, before we touch on the actual game against Liverpool that resulted in Rianne and the club Harding way, I want to talk a bit about how we were feeling about Rianne before that, because last time we spoke about the manager on the pod, I think we were all pretty squarely behind her. Um, but I know because we've been chatting a bit behind the scenes that that hasn't necessarily been the case for all of us since the last time we talked about it. So when did you guys start thinking a change might need to happen? And what was it that changed your mind? So I think when we last talked, we might have even discussed the fact that we were going to have these really tough games against top four teams. And then we were going to be facing um, Reading in the cup and then we'd face um, Liverpool and then Leicester in the WSL and that these games would be decisive. And so I think we've known for a long time that these games would be sort of, would really be the point at which there would no longer be able to be excuses because it wasn't, you couldn't have just a performance. These were about results and you could, you could understand not getting results against some of those top four teams, but you couldn't excuse it against Reading, against Liverpool and against Leicester when you really needed to. So I think in some ways we always saw this period as being the period that was likely to result in something changing if there was going to be a change, especially after the previous form at the same time, I think in some ways, for me, the crunch point was not actually in a moment. It was when Angerad got substituted on, on the 82nd minute against Manchester United, when we, when Elatoon had been given a red card, we were a player up, had 10 minutes, and we were just a goal behind. And at that point, to substitute on 
a defensive midfielder who has not contributed a lot to our attacks in any of the recent games seemed so counterintuitive when we had Nikola Karczewska, we had other more attacking players on the bench, that it just kind of cemented some of my frustrations around Rianne's, the ways in which she's responded in game to particular scenarios and the substitution she's made or not made. And the I feel like sometimes her inability to make decisions to close out games in ways that they could be, and I think of all of the games that we've played recently, in some ways, that was weirdly not the most winnable, but it was certainly the one where we were closest to getting a point. We'd already had that disastrous kind of, you know, switch off to go back to 2-1 after having that lovely Beth England goal. So I think that moment, it just felt like all of the frustrations around uh, selection and some of the other things distilled into one instant. Yeah, that's, I think, also the point when I started to realize that a lot of the issues I had with the substitutions, particularly that Rianne would make, you know, in, in previous games, I would sometimes excuse it as, well, she doesn't always have the best options on the bench, you know, because of this injury crisis we've been in, the bench has been quite thin at times, but I think that was a really keen example of there being an opportunity to do the bold choice and, her not picking that choice. And I think the moment that I really started to feel like we were getting towards the end was the FA Cup exit to Reading. Cause that was a game where again, we had so many chances in attack and there's just something about the team right now where we don't have that, that final step is just not happening. You know, it's kind of back to where we were at at times last season where the finishing was just not clinical enough. And that was really frustrating because that was a game that, you know, felt really winnable. And we'd kind of been saying all season, you know, it's understandable when we lose games to top four opposition, but teams like Reading, like Liverpool, no disrespect to them, but those are teams that we should be beating with the talent that we have in our squad. So the fact that we're we're at this point where we're not even picking up points against those teams, it, it felt like it was coming. And, you know, as Sean said, it still felt like a little bit of a shock only because I think we had sort of targeted the Leicester game as being like last chance saloon and she didn't quite get there. But you, you can't really justify her staying on for the extra game, I don't think. I don't know. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because I'm not sure how much of a change is going to happen in two days with the assistant manager being the manager, you know, um, is that really going to be a huge difference? I mean, we know that there's a bounce often when a manager leaves and maybe they're hoping for that effect. I don't know. It does seem an odd timing. Um, I, I, I think um, with the way, the way the games fall, um, I, I think for me, you see, the thing is, yes, we didn't score against Reading and we should have scored against Reading, but then we took the lead against Manchester City. We took the lead against Liverpool we can score. We have been scoring against some of the better sides. The frustration for me is that just complete inconsistency of uh, doesn't seem to make any sense, you know, and nobody's saying we've been playing badly in the last few games. Um, We have seen an improvement, particularly, you know, since Beth and Manor have come in, despite the fact that neither of them are fully fit or um, able to contribute as much as they might like to the side. Um, so I think, I mean, for me, it's just simply, you know, 
what's the club going something's got to change and the results aren't changing um the performance have been getting better but ultimately when you're where we are in the table it's the points that you need um and something something had to change uh it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward because who do you bring in and we'll talk about that you know this is something we've been talking about as well is it's all very well and good saying Rianne needs to go, but who do you bring in? And that's a really big question right now because a lot of the people who are available are not people that we'd be interested in seeing at Spurs, really. Um, so it's going to be really interesting who the club can bring in and presumably they're going to be wanting to make that decision um, over the weekend so that we've got a new manager in place if that's what's happening for the North London derby. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I think, I, I guess... I thought maybe they give. I, I thought they'd probably give the Leicester game as well, just to see what happened as, as being the really, you know, six pointer. Um, but to just the, the, I think the manner of the players' response against Liverpool, um, and and you know, Rianne's response seemed to be that you know they just didn't know what to do, uh, and you know we'd taken the lead, uh, we could have and should have, you know, and you know, I mean, hell, Ross scored um, a great goal. Um, People around me were going, was that Roz? I'm like, yes, that was Roz. Um, you know, it was, and, you know, it was, I think it was her first shot on target and she never hits the target on her first shot. You know, there were, there were good things happening. But then um, we we lost it and you can argue about offsides and all of those kind of things. Um, but ultimately we, we didn't do enough and we haven't done enough in any game since that Brighton game. Um, and I think this is the trouble when you've got a manager potentially who's not actually been a manager before she's been a coach before she's not been a manager before she's not been in that position of being the person who has to make things change the person has to make it happen that it changes and when she was asked to do that she couldn't do it she couldn't find a way to make the team win and and as a manager that's kind of where your your talent has to be and lots of great stuff about Rianne and and she's done an amount amazing amount for the club but ultimately, if you can't turn form around, that's where you where you're going to lose your job. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's a great point about um, the fact that she had been a coach before, not a manager. I think it is relevant to some of my thoughts on getting players in transfer windows, which I think we'll probably talk about later because um, we don't really have any direct evidence on that, but. Um, yeah, for me, it was the Manchester City game. I don't know why, um, but that was the game in which it really clicked for me that the team was less than the sum of its parts. And it said all the time, all over the place, that a good manager should make a team more than the sum of its parts. And you see it happen in like with all sorts of sides all over the mid table and bottom of the WSL where like occasionally they'll get points off like Chelsea or Arsenal like Hope Powell's Brighton got points off Chelsea a few times and they it it wasn't like they were great or anything and it just felt like that was never going to happen for us just like the sheer number of times that we would score only to instantly concede again like just going back to last season I can even remember like two or three instances of that it was such a pattern and for me like I think you guys know that for a while I've been wondering where Ismita Ale is and that's kind of like she's the poster girl for like my larger concern that like I have been thinking about some of the young players we have and even like borderline young players we have who aren't maybe so young anymore but they were young when they started 
with us is, is that not a lot of them are getting better. In fact, most of them are stagnating. And I've always thought of Rianne as a coach who like, was really good about player development and doing what's best for the players, but the players weren't getting better. And so even with the results, I was starting starting to kind of think like, what's the point? Like we weren't necessarily playing the world's nicest football, even though it was starting to become like a little bit more effective. It wasn't getting the, the game over the line. I was having trouble understanding like our attacking patterns, our patterns of progression. Uh, I could tell that we were trying to press in a mid block, but it just didn't seem like we had the legs for it. It didn't seem successful. And so for some reason, after the Manchester City game, all that came to a head for me. And I was like, I feel like it's time for her to go, but I don't see the point in doing it. Like, I don't know when you do it. Like, I know there's not any sort of obvious choice out there for someone who's going to come in and obviously make things better. Right. So I think that's the way for me in which it was like, it was not surprising that it happened. It was quite expected, but the timing of it was surprising. Um, like so surprising that even though we knew the club hadn't posted on socials since the game, I still hadn't even drafted my uh, Rianne's been sacked article, even though I felt like it was coming, but I was like, no, it'll never happen. She'll definitely get Lester um, as well. Midweek game. Anyway, we played Liverpool away this weekend and in the end, that ended up being the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. I know beforehand, Rachel mentioned this at the beginning, we all knew this was a big game uh, because, you know, if we'd won, we would have leapfrogged Liverpool on the table. And if we didn't, we'd be two points off relegation, potentially even worse, depending on how the other fixtures went that week. Uh, so I think let's just touch really quick on some key things about the game. So... We saw a bit of a new lineup. We had uh, Tinny and goal as usual. Um, and then in defense, we had um, Ash Neville, Amy Turner, Molly Bartrip, and Karis Harrop. In midfield, we had Angarad James and Drew Spence. And in attack, we had Mana Iwabuchi, Rosella Ayan, Nikki Karcheska, and Beth England. So first things first, uh, game started, Liverpool were sort of seemingly on top, I would say, I don't know, but we scored first and it was a real banger of a goal. As Sean said, it was great goal. Like Ross did really well to hold off like a couple of defenders and then got a phenomenal shot in at, at the near post and things were looking good, but then Liverpool equalized just a few minutes later and it was a bizarre deflection, uh, I guess you could say, but I like Liverpool were attacking quite well, so it did feel a bit as though it had been coming. And a bit later on in the half, they added to their tally with a goal where they just sort of sliced through us like we weren't even there. Yeah, and so we went into the second half 2-1, made a couple substitutions with Evelina coming on for Drew at halftime, uh, Kit coming on for Mana, and in the final minutes of the game, Esmita came on for Rosella Ayan. But despite the changes, the scoreline remained 2-1. So how did you guys feel about the game? I mean, I think it was an interesting starting lineup. We were, um, I mean, we were expecting Evelina to come back in following her, um, her suspension being over, and yet we had 
um, Angharad and, uh, and Drew back in the centre of the park there, having not done that well together in the previous game. Um, we saw um, Keris playing again instead of Azmita, which we were kind of hoping for different. Um, and uh, Celine started on the bench, um, having done well in previous games. So I think we were perplexed by the starting lineup uh, and uh, surprised when I was surprised when we scored the first goal because it was against the run of play, although we know that we do um, counter. And so that was good. But then once they take the lead again, there's a little bit of an ine- inevitability to how we've been playing this season. Amy Turner did not seem to be on top of her emotions in the game. She was getting very het up and putting in some tackles which were um, getting her in trouble. Um, Ash had some great moments, but again, I think was going backwards again in terms of where she was at performance-wise. Um, and in the centre of the park, again, Drew and, and Anna Harrod were struggling. Uh, Mana still, while she has some nice moments, I think is still struggling for game fitness and and gelling with the team. So a lot of the things we've seen before out there, um, you know, you kind of hope when you went ahead that that was the start of something, but very quickly it wasn't. Yeah, I think it was it was a really bad game. I think Spurs were bad. I think that I've been arguing that we have improved since Christmas and I think that we had got better at progression about competing for the ball, all of those other things. And I think in this game, it felt like kind of, I felt like going back to sort of that Reading game in back in November, which was sort of the start of the bad run when we were just being outplayed and outmuscled and outthought at almost every turn. Um, and it was, I mean, that was the game actually when Amy Turner um, scored an own goal and she didn't score an own goal in this game, but she was really bad. I mean, and it kind of just reignited all of my frustrations with how much game time she's been getting. I think that it also showed how exposed she becomes when we play in a back four. She, We've been playing with a uh, back three and with wing backs, and that's created protection for the centre backs. I think actually Molly also had made some bad errors where she went out for the ball. And I think it felt like the centre backs expected there to be a third person there to provide cover. So it just, and again, similarly with Ash on the wing, sometimes you felt like she was going too far forward because that is what they'd been doing when they were playing as wing backs. And it reminded me of how much, you know, it's just, again, why did Rianne change? Why did we chop and change for this game when the back three was working not perfectly, but decently, and it could have been played. There were other players. I mean, I actually think Harris had a decent game as the sort of back line went. Um, and but Asmita didn't have to come in for her, you know, Asmita came in coming on meant that Ash could go forward, which is where we know from our interview of her, she's really been enjoying playing. She's one of our highest scorers this game. We know that Beth is coming back from injury. Why not push Ash forward? I mean, we've already taken, you know, Drew came on, she wasn't having a came off, she wasn't having a great game. There aren't a lot of people left on the pitch who were going to get goals. So again, there was lots of stuff here that was frustrating that went to some of the issues around the ways in which the team has been set up, substitutions. Um, And I think, you know, as I highlighted, I think one of the issues with Rianne is she's changed the team around too much. Some of it's been forced by injury, but it just means that the the time for people to become familiar has taken longer than it should have done. Um, The one thing I'm, you know, I think that, Uh, Going back to what Abby was saying earlier about um, young players and developing them, 
I do think that Rianne has maybe accidentally found the position for Nikki, which is, I think she's a much better 10 than she is a number nine. I think she, she does do well at bringing other people into the game. And she had a decent game, um, partly again, because they were a really um, kind of aggressive team. And she was able to, um, you know, withstand that. She was she turned players and was able to move the ball forward when other players weren't as easily able to do that. Um, so, yeah, just super frustrating. I think we were bad. And I think that Liverpool deserved their win, even though there were arguments about each of the um, particular uh, goals and whether or not they were, you know, quality, etc. Yeah, for me, it's... It's just frustrating that we can't seem to ever have our best 11 on the pitch, (laughs) you know, even with all the injuries that we've had to deal with. It was, you know, in this game, I was frustrated first off to not see Evelina starting. Um, And when she did come in, which I was glad she came in at halftime, I felt like that was a change that really needed to happen. And I was glad that Rianne at least acted decisively in that case. But I would have preferred to see her come in for Angrad James because I feel like Angerad was just offering nothing on this day. Um, and, you know, Drew, for all of her inconsistencies, she's one of those players who, if you keep her on the pitch, there's always a chance that she's going to pull something out of the bag. So that change didn't make sense to me. Um, and, I, you know, I thought Rosella had a pretty decent game, which we can't always say. But if it's not happening with the whole team, it's it's kind of all for nothing. And having so much of the defensive line being out of sorts, you know, that that's been a problem all season. I feel like just the, the inconsistencies in defense. So I agree, you know, we've been talking about how our performances had been kind of trending up, even if the results weren't, but this felt like a really obvious step backward. And there was always that risk of, are we going to get into another like slump in actual performance? Like we saw before, Christmas. And so in that sense, you know, maybe that's why the club finally decided to pull the trigger and let Rianne go now, because for me, it's it's kind of that when that first bad run of the losses happened, um, that was kind of the moment when we started to think, oh, like, could Rianne's job be in danger? But there was the sense that the club was going to give her time to bring in players in January, which we did like two very top quality players. And, you know, what could she do with that injection of talent? And, you know, now it's at this point where we're kind of running out of excuses, I would say. And again, I think it's interesting looking at that starting lineup. Rianne was brought in as a player who is good at coaching youth and has brought young people through and has worked with underage groups in many years. And you look at that that starting 11, and with the exception of uh, Nikki, um, it, there's not really any youth about it. Um, so where is that bringing through players? Where is that, you know, and no disrespect to the older players, we need um, experience in our team. We absolutely do. But there's a mixture that needs to be had. Um, and I think, um, yeah, there's... It, when when she's been when backs again against the walls, it's kind of gone to trying to play it safe and trying to go for experience rather than trying to change it up and bring in some some young players with and and you know we've said moving players around. Celine's gone from midfield to wing back to forward over the course of three or four games, you know, 
And as much as Ash said, you know, she felt like she was happy being moved around in the sense of she knew where she was going, I think there's going to be an element of you don't you don't know where you are, you know, in the moment. It, it, you know, you forget what your role is in that game and, and that's not going to make life easy. Yeah, it's a very, I would say, old, older lineup that we've been playing. And it just doesn't make sense with the players we have in the squad that have been, I would say, our better performers overall, like Asmita, like Celine. You know, Celine didn't even come in until Beth England had to be subbed out because she's obviously still on some minutes restriction. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's you, you do need to have a better balance of the age spectrum with the players, I think. And, you know, it's to me, it's just disappointing that some of the players who were meant to be kind of the experience that was going to give us that extra boost this season it just hasn't worked out that way and I feel like quite a few of them have really let us down with their performances overall yeah and it's interesting while you were saying that I was thinking like we have a lot of younger still developing players and a lot of experienced players but it sometimes feels like we don't really have that many players in their prime like we have Molly and um like Rosella and Beth and that's it. So I think one of you brought up just now, I think Rachel, maybe that uh, we did have that bad string of games in November and December. And I think at the time there started to be this very loud uh, Rianne out contingent um, in the fan base. And then uh, there was also, you know, other fans I think many of us included who were like, yeah, no, it's not time. Give her the time, give her the chance, like let her have the transfer window. Like let's get through this next bit. Uh, So with those two things in mind, kind of this earlier camp and this later camp, why do you think the club decided to act specifically after the Liverpool game? Why not earlier? Why not later? Like I said, I think, there had been this expectation that Rianne deserved time after the January transfers had come in to turn things around and, you know, postponements kind of affected the schedule. So there was also this sense that, you know, we had a pretty tough run and it would be a little harsh to judge her on those results against the top four teams. So this Liverpool game was really the first indicator outside of you know, obviously the FA Cup game against Reading, that this was an opponent who was at our supposed level and we failed the test. So I think that's probably why they decided to act now. And also just because Leicester are, you know, trending up and it's it's kind of that situation where we can't afford to sit still and let things stagnate further because we're officially in the relegation scrap now. And, you know, Lester have made improvements. We've got to do something. And the only option we really have at this point post-transfer window is switching the manager. I just wanted to call out like that last thing you said, like we're officially in the relegation scrap now. Like in my mind, it's just that, like all things being equal. It's not like we learned that much new information from the Liverpool game compared to what we already knew. I mean, maybe like you can say something about quality quality of the opponent. But for me, it's like the table got into a state that made people panic, but not panic, maybe just like forced them into action. But I think you're right, Caroline, about pulling out the fact that Leicester are playing better. 
I think that's really critical because if Leicester was still on zero or three points, then there's I'm pretty certain that Rianne would have been given at least that Leicester game to see where we were rather than being sacked at this point. Going back to why she was given time before Christmas, I think that, you know, we were critical of her at the time. I sort of wrote something about trying to think about what was going wrong. And, you know, she was definitely culpable for some parts of it. But there were so many other things as well at play. And one of the big ones was, you know, we did suffer some really unexpected serious injuries right near the start of the season. So to lose two additional players with ACL injuries. We also had Roz, who was out for a bit. You know, more recently, we've had Jess um, got injured pre-Christmas. So there's a lot of players who had long-term injuries, which will have affected what kind of job Rianne was able to do. We've also got um, Ramona Petzelberger, who is obviously unable to play for some reason, but hasn't been seen since September. And my guess is the club were sympathetic to that and felt that some things were outside of her control. And so the January transfer window was a sensible time to see whether or not replenishments would enable her to do a better job and to continue with the project that she had quite successfully started last season. And so I think that was very reasonable. And I think then you've got the issue of us having this just crazy schedule where post-Christmas a lot of our first games were against the big teams so it was going to be really hard for the club to assess what she was doing and how much that was working and I think that's all become really clear now as well as the fact as you know we've said that we are also very obviously now in the relegation fight and the teams around us are doing better. I think there is a difference between the women's game and the men's game in the in that the men's game has become very much a kind of short-term goals kind of game and we see managers moving you know getting kicked out a lot I, I don't think that's kind of how certainly the the high ups at Spurs see or saw this appointment they saw it as a a long-term appointment um, and after the success of last season the trouble you know the trouble with that is it, it is that the fan base suddenly the expectation is a lot higher and so I think that there's a certain amount of fan base going one having most experience of the men's game in the you know um, and also then having experience of last season going, well, we're this good um, and we shouldn't be doing what we are. There was that great expect, you know, there's that that kind of creates a bit of a storm. But when you look at the game in a bigger sense, I think giving Rianne more time was perfectly sensible. We've got a shorter season, you know, it's difficult. When you do play the, the top teams, it's difficult to gauge how far you're doing. Um, how well you're you're doing as a manager and when you do have those teams in succession it makes life difficult Um, and all all the external factors we talked about injuries and problems with the pitch and all those kind of things I I absolutely think that giving her more time is the right thing to do and I absolutely agree that we wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for the fact that there was only a couple of points between us and relegation now I think those kind of things have come together to mean that the club had to either hold, as I said, you know, hold with it, stick to their guns, this was what we're doing, and risk being seen to have done nothing and then have us relegated, or make a change and still potentially the same outcome happening, but at least they'd played a hand rather than just sit, sitting on it and waiting. Um, and as I, as I say, I still think the interesting bit is what happens next, really. 
Yeah. And speaking to the idea that the club saw Rianne as a long-term kind of project manager, potentially, we know that that's the case because she had just been signed to a new contract that went through 2024, I believe it was. So, you know, part of the question, Abby, was why did the club not act earlier? Um, And that's why it was going to be expensive to let her go this early into her new contract. But obviously they decided that the risk of relegation was going to be more costly in the long run than letting her continue. Yeah, it's interesting. Like all this talk about, um, you know, she was on a long-term contract. She was building something like, let's give her the January window. There's been so many extenuating circumstances, like so many injuries. It really just makes me feel that I should have been a little bit harsher on what I see as her recruitment because, and this is like veering into guesswork a little bit, but we get the sense that she was pretty involved in in transfers, like just from things that people around the club have said about like, she wants to get in good people, not just good players and stuff like that. The fact of the matter is we lost so much of our passing after last season through injuries and transfers um losing kit ria mava and rachel that minus ash that was basically the backbone of that team and i think that in hindsight i should have looked at our summer recruitment as highly unsatisfactory and a big red flag because it seemed like we had not replaced most of what we had lost so for me looking back now i'm like yeah no i don't think if that was going to be the recruitment rianne was the right person to lead the team forward because she wasn't for whatever reason, whether it was her or someone else, like she wasn't building a functional team. She was building a team without much passing with a very thin midfield. And uh, it was leaving things very exposed in a way. I think our misfiring attack has been a bit of a red herring because it's covered up a lot of our ball progression and midfield issues. And for us to sign mostly attackers in the summer and then have a bunch of them get injured right off the bat, I think just made it harder for us and potentially the team to see what was really wrong and the ways in which the recruitment was like kind of bad. And I'm glad we signed Beth England and Mana Iwabuchi. I really am, but I really don't think that, I think it's papering over some of the larger issues in our squad construction. Uh, So I just wanted to get that out there while we were on the subject, because I know we're going to move on to talking about transfers in general uh, in just a moment, uh, because we had a question about who's overperformed and underperformed. Yeah, let's move on to the transfers question. So this one was from David on Twitter, who uh, responded to a cartilage free captain article, but uh, has said we can use the question for our pod, which is good because it's a good question. So many of the off-season recruits have underperformed uh, and I think his implication is that that's contributed to our downward slide. So out of those seven recruits, I think it was uh, Spence, Turner, Karcheska, Brazil, Petzelberger, Bissette, and James. Who has underperformed and who has stepped up? So I think we should probably discount Ellie Brazil and Ramona Petzelberger, um, both of whom have played very few minutes before they have either been injured or just not played for the team. Of the others, and I think this goes in some ways to the question, the sort of the issue that you were talking about, Abby, 
I think that anger at James has been really disappointing. I think in the summer, we all thought that maybe she was going to be, if not a perfect replacement for Maver, at least would do a lot of that work and that it looked like she was good at picking out a pass and was, you know, had was able to harry players and, you know, just do some of that defensive midfield work that was really going to be essential because Mabel was so key last season. And it just hasn't really happened, has it? I mean, she seemed okay in the first couple of games of the season and then just really faded. And, you know, when we were talking about, I think, Caroline, you've been talking about how disappointed you've been with her. And I think that, you know, that goes out. I think that, I mean, obviously, from the things I was saying earlier, Amy Turner has been massively disappointing. Some of that in the first half of the season was not her fault because she was being played at right back and there's no evidence that she had experience playing at right back and she just seemed out of her depth. But in and she's she seemed okay then for a few games where she was playing in a back three, not like impressive, but adequate. But this last game, I am just I think my patience is gone on that. I wish we still had Gracie Pierce um, to fill in at centre back. And that's, I just think that she has not been a good signing. Um, and that leaves uh, Celine Bizet and, and Nicola Karcheska, both of whom I think have been good. I think both of them are growing into their game, but we've seen improvements since they've been at Spurs. They're both quite adaptable and flexible. They both make really good connections with other players and are creative and can pass the ball. Um, obviously, Celine is really good on the ball. She's got a great, you know, her dribble is great. She can keep the ball. She can make things happen. Nikki is just, you know, fantastic at hold-up play and bringing other players in and causing problems for defenders. So I think that both of them are not the finished item, but I'm very happy that both of them are at Spurs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a pretty um, accurate assessment in many ways. Um, we didn't talk about Spence there, and I think the trouble with Spence is that she's been great in moments and really bad in other moments. Uh, and you, and it's not even like one game to the next. It's like within a game. So you're never quite sure what you're going to get from, from one touch to the next. And when she's good, she's been great, and she's scored some goals and she's um, played some great passes, but she's also lost, lost the ball a lot in the middle of the park. Um, which has really affected us at times and not been the kind of player that is then harrying to get it back either. If she loses it, she tends to go, oh, well, somebody else will sort that out, Um, which, you know, is not, again, the pressing game that we kind of have known from last season. Um, I I think both Nikki and Celine are are great prospects. I, I prefer Celine at the moment. I think she brings more, she's more of a finished product than Nikki. I still struggle with Nick. Nikki's hold-up play against Liverpool was great. I'm not sure that her passing was as good. Uh, I, f- I felt like she often held up the ball and then passed it to a Liverpool player. Um, so, you know, um, some, so there's a work, but she's young and we knew that that was going to be the case when she came in. We knew she was a young player um, and she, we shouldn't be having to rely on her perhaps as much as we've kind of been forced to hope that she could be the answer. Um, and... Yeah, otherwise, I think uh, Amy and uh, and Anne Harrods have not been the players that we hoped they would be. I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, we said a lot that Anne Harrod made a real difference when she was playing. We did seem to play better than when she wasn't playing. But obviously, as the season's gone on, that hasn't continued. Um, and Evelina's come in and, and been the player that's kind of been the one that we've wanted to see in that role. So, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, and it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I guess... As when you're bringing players in who have that much experience, 
you would expect them to be coming in with maybe more to give to the side than they haven't given that. Also, there has clearly been something about the amount of minutes they're all able to play. Uh, all of the newcomers have seemed to be on limited minutes um, throughout the season. And even up until this point, we're still looking at that. So, uh, but, and again, that comes back to the communication that the club have had with the fans and how little communication there seems to be about those kind of things, which makes it difficult for us to give a fair assessment of all the players and of Rianne because we don't know the answers to a lot of the questions we'd like to know the answers to. But yeah, it's it hasn't been... Um, they ha- Those players coming in haven't kind of made us forget Maver um, and other players who and Rachel um, and other players that we lost. I agree with all of that. And the only thing I would add is that it's a bit ironic that the players we brought in this summer who had previous WSL experience seem to be struggling with the pace of the game, the physicality of this league, whereas the newer players who have come in seem much more suited to it. And part of that, I think, is just that the the league, you know, we see a lot of teams are starting to skew younger in their squads overall, and that could be contributing to it. But I think I just expected a little more from, you know, who we're calling the veterans of the league, um, just to look a little more prepared to meet the challenges of it game to game. So that's been a frustration for me with those players. Yeah, and I think the only thing I would even add is that Amy is has become doubly frustrating because now it's not just that she's underperforming, it's that she's keeping Ismita Ale out. Well, she's contributing to keeping Ismita Ale out. She's one of the players you could take out for Ismita. So it's like, I don't even know what we're doing here anymore. Well, and uh, Gracie Pierce, like you said, you know, she's tearing it up in the championship apparently. And it's it's like, man, we really could have used her, especially knowing how thin our bench is most of the time anyway. I mean, but what a great loan that's turning out to be because she's missed all of this nonsense. She's seemingly stepping it up, like up for player of the week in the championship and, you know, scoring for the top side in the championship who are most likely going to get promoted. I mean, I don't want to speak too soon. I actually haven't looked at the table recently, but, you know, she's it, it seems great. So at least that's one positive we can hang our hat on. And also, just I just wanted to come back on the thing that Sean was saying about our new players not getting minutes. And of course, the only player who has got loads of minutes, well, there's two. Drew Spence has got a lot of minutes and Amy Turner has got a lot of minutes. I wonder what she had on Rianne and I'm hoping that whatever it is doesn't hold on to Vicky Jensen, <laughs> Jetson and it will be different. I know it's been like to the point where I wonder if both of them have something written into their contract about like how many minutes they have to have. And I like, I feel like that can't possibly be it. So I almost feel bad saying it, but it's like, okay, either give them a rest or like, don't do that. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, uh, as you as you mentioned, Vicky Jepson will be stepping in for Wednesday's game against Leicester. Uh, and we just got a press conference out of her this morning and it let us know a little bit about the mood inside the club. She said, to see Skinner exit the building yesterday was a tough pill to swallow. It has been difficult and emotional for myself, the staff and the players because we all did love Rianne. She built some fantastic foundations and professionalized the club to get us to where we are. Every single one of us will be so grateful and will never forget the great things she did and the foundations she, she built. The girls are feeling responsible for that and want to put it right on Wednesday. I know the players will turn up ready for the fight because it's an important game for us. 
So between that quote and some of the players' Instagram posts thanking Rianne that we've seen, how do you think the players must be feeling right now? What do you think the mood is inside the club? I think it's interesting because it speaks to one of the reasons why I think we were perhaps a little bit cautious about getting rid of Rianne and about why we wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt in that she does seem like a manager who cares about and for her players. And given the kinds of behaviour that we hear about in women's football, it's depressingly rare to have a manager that seems consistently able to do that. And we've seen a lot of posts from players who have um, experienced injury, have had mental health issues, have been feeling lacking confidence, talking about the support that Rianne has given to them. And I think that's quite telling. Um, and so for all of the flaws that we have outlined, issues around game management and selection and all those other things, she does seem to have supported players um, in a way that is really important and their you know their lives within the clubs and their lives outside of the club so for example when she was on the podcast with us Ashley Neville was talking about the support she'd had for her family life I think all of that is important and you know it matters and so there is going to be a lot of emotional feelings especially for players who have been in the club for a longer period probably less so for some of the newer signings um, and clearly Vicky worked very closely with Rianne and that was very obvious in her press conference. So on that note, here's a question we had from Michael on Twitter. Uh, what do you think Vicky can do before Wednesday to turn things around in the club? I mean, not a lot, probably. Um, I, as I said before, I, I find it a strange timing. I don't know what might, what can really change other than perhaps, um, I mean, I, I suppose Vicky has her ideas and, and maybe... Um, she's got something different up her sleeve. I don't know, or maybe the what's happened will will lead Vicky to be a little bit less um, reliant on the old guard of players, and might might force her to be a little bit more um, forward thinking it with the players. Um, we can hope, um, but I do I do find it a strange timing because there's a couple of days. I mean, the, the from a from an English point of view, the announcement about Rianne wasn't made until right at the end of the day on Monday so um you know it was a long time that they were <laughs> that we knew it was that we kind of felt it was coming and they hadn't done that we know the players aren't in on a Monday anyway so that kind of doesn't affect them too much but essentially they've got Tuesday and Wednesday um and presumably they won't be doing much on Wednesday because it's a match day so not really sure what what can be done other than um maybe the the shock factor might see a reaction from the players because hopefully they do feel some responsibility for what's happened to Rianne because it's never just the manager's fault in these kind of situations and they could have been playing better as we've outlined so the only thing I can think is that they will hopefully be have the desire to go out and um and show what they can do yeah I'm just hoping that she will play the squad to its best effect you know I think making sure the players are in their best positions that there's, you know, better balance in the squad. I think we've talked quite a few times about how the midfield has been kind of a problem area, not just in the attack, but also, you know, making us more vulnerable in defense. And, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing for her because obviously it's mid season. We're past the transfer window. 
the squad that we have is what she has to work with. So to me, it's just getting the best out of what we do have. And I think I agree with Sean, the players will probably be feeling a little bit of responsibility on their shoulders as well, because that, you know, they, they also have to step up and there's no getting around that fact either. Did any of you actually watch Vicky Jepson's Liverpool side? Um, I personally did not. I don't remember anything about them other than them getting relegated. <laughs> well, and I didn't know that they had been relegated. That was the season during COVID when it was like the points per game. So to me, it's like, it's sad that she has that kind of on her resume now. <laughs> um, Cause who knows, like she could have somehow pulled it off and gotten I them to really stay up. Say, but... I had heard that they were awful that season, like to the extent that men's Liverpool fans were starting to notice and being like, what is the club even doing? But it is not clear to me how much of that was on Vicky Jepson. Cause it sounds like they really weren't investing in the team. Uh, so right. again, who knows? I mean, I did hear them described as playing anti-football. Um, on the other oh, no. hand, I would just highlight that last season Spurs were described sometimes as doing something like that. And it was a better season than this season. So not that we have the squad at the moment to do that very effectively anyway. So I don't think that is really an option, given the sorts of defensive failings that we've had you know we are much more at the moment the team that's going to have to try and outscore opponent opponents rather than sit back and defend deep so I don't think that is where she's going to go yet and I guess one of the ironies of her press conference is that she said that there were more players available than there had been all season so that you know all of a sudden everybody is back from it uh injury everybody is available and so she really is going to have her pick and she can set the squad up almost you know like she wants she can play football manager um for real I also uh, found that very curious because you know that kind of begs the question like has it been our sports science conditioning team messing things up this whole time or was it just Rianne being selective about who she actually wanted in the match day squad I mean we don't know <laughs> yeah and I think I think Vicky did have a, a tough time at Liverpool because the club were not behind the team at that point we know that there was I mean Spurs was bad at that time but Liverpool were even worse and I think they suffered a lot because the club just were not really investing in the women's team and I did see an article um, about Vicky, uh, about her talking about after she'd, you know, obviously after they'd gone down. And I understand that kind of she was kind of given guarantees by the league that they wouldn't go down no matter what, that they weren't going to do relegation that season. And so they kind of thought there wasn't a problem, but then, and then got the phone call to say, no, you've gone down, and which completely blindsided them. Um, but I, I also saw this kind of this article which said she'd done quite a lot of work following that on her own coaching skills and her own self-reflection and all those kind of things so I don't think she'll be the same manager now as she was then anyway you know I think she's done a lot of work as to because she's still very young as a manager you know she's still I'm um, working with Rianne you know will have taught her a lot as well um and yeah I think it's difficult to judge based on that but yes they weren't a good side but there were many reasons for that yeah, well, I guess we won't know more until after the Leicester game. So I'll hold off on any further Vicky Jepsen questioning <laughs> until then. 
this morning, Emma Sanders published an article and the two names she threw out there. And please let me stress that these were not actual links. These were just her listing managers that happen to be available right now, uh, where Hope Powell and Corinne Diacre. Uh, so I'm just going to ignore the Corinne Diacre bit because uh, are you guys good with that? I just feel like we don't need to say why we don't want a coach who has a mile long controversy section on Wikipedia. <laughs> but yeah, Hope Powell, that could actually potentially happen, I suppose. Uh, would you guys hire her as an interim coach, as a long-term coach, or not at all? Not at all for me, I'm afraid. Um, we we There have been controversies that have followed Hope as well, and actually having spoken to families of former Spurs players who have played under her, um, the rumours would seem to be true that she tends to pick on players. She tends to choose a player to pick on and make their life horrible. Um, and she was at Brighton for a long time, you know, and I mean, she did great things. She has as a manager done brilliant things. Don't get me wrong. She, her history in the game is um, impeccable, but I, I don't think she's the person going forward who's going to take us forward. And I don't, you know, Brighton were a mid-table side for a long time who got the occasional win against Chelsea, but that was it. And then the last season had been doing very badly, partly due to recruitment and things, whoever was in charge of that. But for me, I, I, and she has, a, she has a reputation of being quite prickly as well as a manager. It's not somebody who's necessarily approachable and things. So again, just for me, it's not the right fit. Yeah, I would also pass on Hope Powell. It seems like towards the end of her time at Brighton, things were just getting really stale, kind of like we've seen happen at Tottenham. And I think because she has been in the game so long, it's possible that her methods are just not not progressive anymore, you know, not up with the times tactically. So I would be super hesitant to bring her on. I don't want her to come on. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so in that case, uh, that brings me on to another question we got this from a few people uh, and I'm going to paraphrase a bit here. Who should we hire for a next full-time manager? If not a name, uh, because I know that we all have a lot of trouble calling to mind anyone we would like to manage the team. Uh, what attributes should this person have and what would we like to see from them? Ideally. The only name that I, I can, well, that I know of that, I can see working is is Lauren Smith. I don't think she'll leave Bristol right now because of the project they're on. But obviously, she was at Spurs. She was our assistant manager um, last season, so she knows the club. She knows the setup. She knows the players. She's been doing a fantastic job with Bristol this season. Um, the only team in the Championship to kind of really keep up that pace, and it does certainly to me look like they're going to be the team that come up uh, failing a major um, breakdown there. Um, and I think, you know, as a young uh, British manager, she's uh, got got a bright future um, and it would be really nice to see her at Spurs again. But I don't think it'll happen because I think she'll want to see it through at Bristol. But I think you guys know more names than me, so I don't feel very imaginative here. But I guess if I was Spurs, I would just be chucking money at Carla Ward and trying to prize her away from Aston Villa. Because just going back to what Abby was saying about the... Um, you know about the transfer window I mean what we know is that she was the one who masterminded an absolutely brilliant couple of transfer windows for Villa and you know the team is exciting now and they don't have the money that Spurs do so Spurs actually have something they could offer I'm sure that it 
probably won't be enough, especially at this point in the season where she's not going to want to get into a relegation fight. But you could imagine potentially in the summer them trying to go after somebody who is already at a team rather than just looking for people who are available now. That is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because who are we going to get at this point where we are at threat of relegation versus who we could get in the summer if we've secured um, our status as Super League for another season? So it is a really interesting conundrum, I think, for, for to decide, do we go short term? Um, do we stick with Vicky? In, you know, depending on what happens against Leicester, um, or do we try and get somebody now? I mean, and again, it's all of these unknowables from our perspective in terms of people who might be interested, who's interested at this point, what it would take to make them interested, all of those kind of things that we just don't know. Uh, and there aren't, as we've said, many names out there of people who have a proven track record of of winning within the Super League or or comparable league. Um, and don't have some sort of controversy behind them about the way that they may or may not have treated players. I definitely think it's going to be easier to bring in a permanent manager in the summer. We'll probably have a lot more options if we go that route. Um, but it, it's hard to say even which candidates I, I would like us to look at because we just simply don't know who's available. I feel like on the women's side of the game, things are a lot more not secretive, but you know what I'm saying? It's, you don't have tons of articles of people, you know, linking managers here and there saying who, who wants out of their current club. Like we just don't know, but to think in the sense of like a dream manager and someone that I think would be a good fit for the squad that we have now, um, obviously not someone who I think we can realistically get because she won't leave San Diego, but I think Casey Stoney, that kind of profile of manager is would be a really good fit because she I, I watched San Diego, you know, week in and week out last season. And she did a lot with a squad that really didn't have the best midfield, um, which I think is kind of the situation that we're in as well. And the reason San Diego were so successful in their, you know, first season is that they focused first and foremost on being really solid defensively. And a lot of times the goals they scored were like counterattacking goals or, you know, set pieces, that kind of thing. And I'm okay with that strategy if, you know, it fits the players that we have and that's what it takes to get results. So someone who I guess is like pragmatic and, but at the same time, isn't going to make us play boring football either. Cause I don't think San Diego are boring to watch. Well, she might be able to turn um, Nicola Karcheska into Taylor Koniak, which would be a massive plus. Yeah, I mean, similar height profile. Yeah, I can see it. And I do think we need to stick. I, w- I would like us to see us sticking with a female manager. Um, I know there are fewer of those out there, but I do think it's nice to see a woman um, managing the team when there aren't that many in the Super League at the moment. So I would like to see us sticking with that if we can. Well, especially since the club you know, is, is part of that program right now, the mentorship program yeah. or internship, I think it was. So yeah, you, you want to see them actually live up to that commitment. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been like keeping a little list to myself. Uh, and I did, after I like learned about the mentorship program, I went and crossed off the name of like every man on the list. <laughs> it's interesting. I think like, um, one thing about hiring a permanent manager now that I don't love is it shuts out the entire NWSL basically because their season is just starting. Uh, wait a little bit, see 
what shakes out, do something earlier in the summer, maybe, but right now, absolutely no way. It shuts out a huge field of playing. And I think for me, I want to see a manager who does good things with youth, who attacks, who makes the team better, uh, who gives me something tactically to write about. <laughs> and the only name that I really have on my list, and I need to look into this more because I have no idea if this person uh, satisfies all of my requirements, but I know they satisfy some of them, is um, Marianne Spacey Kale at Southampton. Uh, they're doing pretty well in the championship. And I have heard decent things about the way they play. They're really impressive. and. The club seems to have like a pretty good attitude about their first season in the championship. And I think someone like that could be a good person to bet on. They're not the high profile name that a lot of people are going to look at and say, oh, that's the person who's going to take us to the next level. But from what I've heard so far, that's the only name that I'll even throw into the pot as potentially being a good bet. Plus Southampton are well off of uh, first place in the championship. So I don't think they're in contention for getting promoted. Really, they're like 12 points back. So could could happen. Uh, don't know if it's the right move, but I had to say something. <laughs> All right, let's finish this by reminiscing a little. Let's end on a positive note because Rianne was here for two and a half years and there were a lot of good moments in there. So what was your all favorite moment in Rianne's tenure? I mean, um, I guess beating Manchester City was a pretty good feeling, although um, we all know why that happened. Um, I think actually the feeling after the home game against Arsenal last season, where it was a late draw, that was pretty um, pretty fun to be in that moment, just feeling like disappointed not to have beaten Arsenal, which was not where we thought we would be at the beginning of the season. So, So those kind of moments for me last season, were the highlights yeah I was gonna say going ahead against Arsenal and then even holding on for a draw wasn't bad and actually it became sweeter because we cost them the championship so you know that was one that had lasting joy which not all of our moments have had I mean you know there was also equalizing against Manchester United last year in the final minute with that um Rhea Percival kick that was lovely um you know, I don't know. There haven't been a lot of high scoring games except the the ones against Brighton. So like any game against Brighton. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those two probably. Yeah, this year's Brighton game was definitely the high point of this season, which overall has not been exciting. Um, I would also say when we had the preseason tournament over here in the States, I actually got to talk to Rianne which was a really nice moment because she really is just a very kind person. She was very generous with her time. Like, I think they probably, you know, she would have kept talking if the stadium staff hadn't kicked us out. So it was, it was nice to get to actually interact with her and I wish her well. Yeah, man. I like told her that frontier lost my luggage and all that. And she was very nice about it. And I was very frazzled and didn't know what I was doing down there. Like when I was searching for images for the article announcing her sacking, I had such a hard time because she's smiling in every damn picture, even the ones where like things are going badly. She's still got a smile on her face and like, yeah, I think you guys really said it all. Anyway, 
That's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening to our Slapdash Emergency Pod. You can follow us on Twitter and all the usual places uh, if you want to keep up with your Spurs women-related drama. And we'll be back later this week to talk about the Leicester game. Like it or not, it's going to be a big one, so it's time to get behind the team. And in the meantime, so long and come on you Spurs. Mm -hmm.